Generally, you know, we're very peaceful, very kind of a little sleepy community that before September, I don't think anybody, we were on anybody's lips. Now, you know, moving forward, you know, I think everybody in the country, if not the world, knows where Del Rio America is at. Right now, we are seeing a, a large number of migrants moving through this area that, that we quite frankly haven't ever seen before. Thank you for joining me for this edition of Immigration Crisis, the fight for the southern border. I'm Jamie Virgen with Sinclair Broadcasting Group in San Antonio, just two and a half hours away from San Antonio, the seventh largest city in the United States, is the border city of Del Rio, Texas, home of Laughlin Air Force Base, where U.S. Air Force pilots are trained and now known internationally as one of the sites of the largest mass entry via land of Haitians during the law known as Title 42. The CDC put Title 42 in place in March of 2020 to stop the spread of COVID-19. This allowed the quick expulsion of migrants without giving them a chance to seek asylum as outlined under U.S. law. During the two decades I have covered immigration and border issues, have I ever seen or experienced anything like the tidal wave of effects and feelings ignited by Title 42? Whether Title 42 is extended or done away with, border counties and border patrol must be ready for whatever is to come. And who is better to share what is going on at the Del Rio area of the U.S. border with Mexico than Chief Patrol Agent in charge of the Del Rio sector, Jason Owen, and Valverde County Sheriff Joe Frank Martinez, both men on the local and federal side of the law that must maneuver through immigration laws and those of the state of Texas in this volatile time in our border history. So thank you gentlemen for joining us. First, uh, Sheriff Joe Frank of Valverde County, which is Del Rio, Texas. On the opposite side is Acuna, the city of Acuna. And we also have the Chief Patrol Agent Jason D. Owens for the Del Rio sector. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. And we've seen a lot of you guys, especially a few months ago when you had large numbers of Haitians that were coming through. And I wanna thank you for being with us today. This is gonna be heard all over the country. And I think people are finally paying a little more attention to what is the border between the United States, Texas, and Mexico. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, I may appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here and talk to you today. Let's start with a sheriff. Sheriff, real quick, tell for people that don't know what Del Rio is like and what it has been like the last few months with a number of migrants going up and how you work together with Border Patrol? Well, uh, previously to September of last year, you know, Del Rio is basically a unknown sleepy community along the uh, Texas-Mexico border. We sit 150 miles uh, due east of San Antonio and we share 110 miles, Valverde County shares 110 miles of border with the Mexican state of Coahuila. Uh, generally, you know, we're like I said, we're very peaceful, very kind of a little sleepy community uh, that uh, before September, I don't think anybody, we were on anybody's lips. Uh, now, you know, moving forward to today, you know, I think everybody in the country, if not the world, knows where Del Rio America is at. Uh, Chief Owen, I mean, for Border Patrol, I know it may seem like a sleepy town to everyone else, but for Border Patrol, 
this is one of your key areas, correct? It is. And I'll uh, provide a little bit of context for everybody listening, just so they kind of uh, can, can see it from the same perspective. But so the, the Border Patrol divides the country up into sectors. So we have geographic sectors and along the southwest border, there are nine of them. And so Del Rio is one such sector. We call it the Del Rio sector because we are our headquarters is in Del Rio, Texas. But the sector itself actually encompasses about 240 miles of border over 53,000 square miles and 47 counties in Texas. So we not only have Del Rio, we have Eagle Pass, which you've seen on the news a lot. We have Brackettville, Uvalde, Comstock, Carrizo Springs, Rock Springs. So there's there's uh, several smaller communities that make up the Del Rio sector. And, and Sheriff Martinez is right there. They're very nice, very quiet, smaller communities that uh, just good places to, to raise family and, and to live. And Prior to, you know, about a year ago, it, it, it was largely quiet and, and not many people would, uh, would probably have known about it, but it has become a focal point uh, for uh, irregular migration along the southwest border. And it uh, probably the most recognizable time period was was in September when we saw the influx of Haitian migrants coming across. So for people that may be listening out there that are not familiar with the border, let's put it this way. They just recently got a Starbucks. Before that, there was no Starbucks. So that's how small Del Rio is. And you have a major Air Force base where pilots are trained there. So it's a sleepy town, but yet now you are all over the place. And with that said, how are you preparing? The summer months tend to be the months when more people migrate to the United States, correct? That's typically a time period where we do see an increase in traffic, and and more than that, you know, the temperature extremes that uh, that we encounter down here, it gets it gets very hot. It's very humid. It, there's, you know, desert terrain, so there's a uh, there's a lot of danger involved with being out in that uh, exposed to those elements for a long period of time, and that's really. You know, in large part, it's a matter of messaging, trying to get the word out to the folks that uh, don't put themselves in that situation. And it, I think you and I have talked in times past, and and I I phrase it that from the moment these folks leave their home, wherever they're they're coming from, they are in harm's way. Yeah, they're they're in the hands of smugglers. They're in the hands of criminals. They're making a journey through places that they don't know, that they're not familiar with. And when they get to our border, a lot of times they've already been walking and traveling for, for long periods of time. And and the river here, the, the Rio Grande, depending on where you are in Texas, the river looks very different. Well, here it is an actual river with a strong current. And we do, unfortunately, we have people die every single year trying to cross this river. And this is this is not just adults. We're talking children. Anybody that tries to, uh, to, to cross this river, it, it's, it's very dangerous. And then when they make it across... They're going to be walking through these, uh, these these harsh environments that I just described for who knows how long. They're, again, they're in the hands of the smugglers. And if the smugglers find that these folks can't keep up with them, they simply leave them behind. And a lot of times we do get 911 calls. The sheriff uh, also, anybody and everybody that's a part of the 911 system, when these folks get in trouble, that's a lot of thing, uh, That's one thing that I think most folks don't realize. They call us to come rescue them. They, they will call Border Patrol. They will call the sheriff's department. And... If they're lucky, we can get to them. But unfortunately, that does not happen every time. We do have people that die due to exposure for being out there for long periods of time. If they get to uh, to a stash house, th these are places that are dilapidated conditions. A lot of times there's no running water, no electricity. They can be held there against their will, sometimes for up to a couple of weeks, extorted for more money. And then whenever they finally do get moved, they can be put in the back of a tractor trailer or on a train and locked with no means of escape. 
And again, the temperature extremes come into play, the lack of food and water. And when they get to their ultimate destination, they may very well be be forced into some torp- some type of indentured servitude to pay off their uh, their debts. So it's just not a good situation from start to finish. And, and we really try and put the message out there to all the countries that it's just it's not worth it because we do have people, unfortunately, that, that die each year trying to make it. Um, Sheriff, explain to people what it's like in Del Rio and what it's going to be like now. You guys are preparing for numbers more than likely to go up again. For your community, you're in charge of ensuring that your community is safe. Um, And I know when I've gone down there, there's people at the gas station, at the stripes, children laying on the floor waiting to leave Del Rio. So what is your job like having to regulate that in a humane way while maintaining the loss also of the United States? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the, uh, you know, we're here to support our federal partners uh, at the end of the day. That's what it's all about. And, you know, all of us together are doing an excellent job in keeping our community safe. Uh, I don't believe that one of these individuals uh, that, is, that, that's, that is coming across is going to stay in Del Rio. So what we want to do, we want to maintain uh, that, our, uh, that our citizens remain calm, uh, that, they're, they're, that they're not fearful. But, you know, there's those occasions that people are coming through yards or people, you know, walking down the streets or whatever. Uh, but, you know, all our all our partners are our one number one goal is is to keep our, our citizens safe. Uh, these people are not coming here to stay. Uh, they're 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 moving on elsewhere throughout the country. You know, we'll take uh, uh, people that are assigned to, for example, some people that are assigned to civil warrants and transport. They'll be put out on patrol. Uh, uh, we'll take a couple of bailiffs, put them out on patrol during peak hours so that, that we can ensure that our citizens are safe. So it's, it's, a, it's a unified effort between all our partners and keeping our community safe. At the end of the day, Border Patrol has a job to do. They, they do a fantastic job. Uh, the NGO also does a, a fantastic job in keeping these, these people moving. Uh, and they don't accumulate here for a very long period of time. And with that said, I do want people to realize while the politics is going on, you know, national media and everything else to go into a town like Del Rio and work with you guys and see the job that you're doing politics aside. I mean, I see all of you working. I see the sheriff's office working. I see border patrol working, trying to take care of, something that they didn't create, trying to deal with the laws and trying to follow the rules. And with that said, Chief, for you right now, what are the marching orders as you're going into these months when we're going to see those high numbers? Are you fully staffed? Are you preparing again for a huge influx of people? We've seen huge numbers on the press releases where I think the other day you had something like 750 people in one day. Was it in five groups, large groups that came in? Yeah, so uh, my marching orders uh, never change. My, my marching orders are to secure the border. Uh, my, my job, the job of the men and women in this, uh, in this uniform is, is to, uh, to keep bad things and bad people from, from coming into the country to do it and its people harm. Now, the humanitarian crisis is one that we that we embrace because it's it's a matter of, uh, of helping our fellow man. 
it's not our primary function. And so the problem that we have is when that starts to pull us away from those border security efforts. So right now we are seeing a, a large number of migrants moving through this area that, that we quite frankly haven't ever seen before. And we're there, we're trying to rescue those that are in need. We're trying to process the ones that are coming across, but always with an eye, our objective is to get our men and women out on patrol to look for those threats as soon as we possibly can. So really we're kind of, we're grappling with two different mission sets at the same time. And the, uh, the, the mission of the Border Patrol never changes, but out of necessity, we're there dealing with the humanitarian crisis as it presents itself. You mentioned the large groups and that for us, the definition of a large group is, is one that uh, is at least a hundred individuals or more crossing at the same time. Del Rio sector has seen more of those than any other sector in the country. And the problem with those large groups is that that has a tremendous impact on the resources that we have on duty at that moment. It causes us to have to collapse down and address those large groups, process them. And that's at the expense of having folks out on patrol in the field. So that's why we, that's why we bring those uh, those groups up. That's why they're important to us. When you look at uh, you know how many people we're holding uh, in our detention uh, facilities and how quickly we can get them out of our custody and transferred to ICE ERO and to the NGOs. That's all in the name of trying to get our agents freed up from that processing duty and back out on patrol and in the field again to address those threats. And Sheriff, when, when they're so busy, when they have those huge numbers, what's your mission and the mission of the deputies that work for the county? M making sure that we maintain a safe community. Uh, we're going we're gonna to plug in some spots either through uh, Operation Lone Star Assets or Stone Garden uh, Overtime to get more bodies out there to, to help our federal partners. You know, we're going to stand shoulder to shoulder with them. We know that they have a, a tough job ahead of them. And at the end of the day, you know, we're going to we're going to make, make sure that our community is safe. How difficult is it? And I'll ask this of both of you. I know that uh, we talked about this when I've been down there. How difficult is it and what kind of support are you giving the deputies, the agents that are dealing with the human side of seeing immigration and how ruthless coyotes can be and children coming through, families being separated? That, that takes a human toll. So what do you provide on the side of support for all of your agents that are working the border? Well, for, from my perspective, so I can tell you, having been in this uniform for almost 26 years, the, I know that the men and women that sign up to do this job, they just want to be able to get out there and do the job. They want to be out there and be public servants and, and keep their communities and this country safe. And so when they feel like they're not being able to, whenever they're being hindered because of uh, the, the uh, humanitarian crisis, that gets very frustrating for them. And then you add to that. The, some of the things that they see whenever you, nobody likes to see a child in distress or nobody wants to see somebody die. Uh, nobody wants to see people in some of the conditions that we encounter them. It does take a toll. It's going to, it would take a toll on anybody. And so for us, we do have, you know, we call peer support. We do have uh, counseling mechanisms available, but more than anything, it's just being there for one another. And I, and I say that because the law enforcement profession itself, we rely on each other because there's really not many others out there that can relate to what we see day in and day out. So a lot of it has been turning inward and trying to uh, take care of ourselves, realizing that that we probably have a while to go 
in in this situation before before it changes if, if history is any indication you know, it, it's uh, we're, we're in for a long summer and that's uh, that that tends to happen every summer and so we try and bolster morale where we can uh, remembering what it's like and why we signed up to to do this job in the first place and and, re- and trying to stay focused on the mission but the one thing that always sticks with me the one thing that I always uh, I always point out the morale does get low but they always show up they always come to work they always give 100% that's the kind of thing that uh, that a person takes pride in knowing that you're a part of that team if you're a part of that type of a family that in and of itself boost your morale because you're working with that caliber of people. That's what I have seen, not just in the border patrol and the Del Rio sector, but across the law enforcement spectrum here in the Del Rio community and to include the community itself. I've never seen, you know, a place that, that came together more than what the community of Del Rio did back in September during that, uh, that, that Haitian crisis. It, it takes a cohesiveness like that to get through a crisis like we went through. And the same question, Sheriff, for your men and women. I mean, it's, it's got to be difficult seeing what you're seeing day in and day out. You know, it's difficult, but Chief Owens is, is exactly right. And all point, you know, we all support each other. Uh, but the main thing, you know, we keep an eye on, on each other. And if anybody looks like they may be needing some 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 help, you know, people step in and, and you know, uh, visit with them or whatever the case may be. But in September, uh, the community really stepped up and you felt the support from the community. And that was uh, a big, uh, a big blessing, you know, that our citizens uh, took up and supported law enforcement uh, to where we made it a little bit easier to do our job. Just a, a little act of kindness on their part it really went a long way. And let me ask you, with that also said, um, Chief Owens, the job that you're doing, I mean, your mission is to secure the country. In the back of your mind, you have to worry when you see these large numbers coming in also that there may be people who are coming in who do not wish as well, who do not want to come to this country to work or to have a better life. You have to wonder if there are people getting into this country who are terrorists, who hate our way of life. Well, anybody that's going to be in law enforcement, that, that's the kind of thing that keeps us up at night. And any type of law enforcement profession that you deal with, most of the folks that you deal with are good, upstanding people. And the tough part is discerning those that are not. And so with, with us, it's no different. You know, Most of the folks that we encounter, they're probably just good people looking for a better way of life. But the threats are the ones that we have to be vigilant for. The threats are the reason why we are out there on patrol and I'll give you an example. So the, the, the traffic that we see that comes across that, that surrenders themselves to the Border Patrol, well, very few of them actually end up with a, you know, a significant criminal record. That said, and we've reported over 100,000 gotaways this year in the Del Rio sector alone. Well, I bet you that number might be higher but we can't get out there and get to those hundred thousand number one, because it's such a vast area. And, and number two, you meant you ask about staffing, you know, we're supposed to have about 1700 or so agents and we're down in the 1500s right now. And that's going to be consistent across the board for most border patrol sectors. Most of them are not fully staffed. And even if we were, we could probably use more, we could probably use more force multipliers to help them do their jobs better and, and safer. But as long as that's the case, our adversary, which is the criminal element, the cartels, will always have some, somewhat of an advantage over us. 
And so that has been the case well, since I've been in the Border Patrol. That, that's, that's always been the case. And there's always going to be those criminal elements that, that see what's going on and they seek to take advantage of it. So you have to assume that's taking place here right now as well. And Sheriff, for those people out there, any final thoughts on your county, your office, and how you guys try to hold the line? Because people need to know that. I mean, a lot of people are going to hear this and have never been to the Texas-Mexico border. And it's very special. I know that I spend a lot of time growing up down there, going back and forth between the two cities. And it is so sad that I cannot just cross over and not have in the back of my mind that, you know, safety issues and everything that's going on on the border. So what would you say to those who are not familiar because you're still open for business even though all of this is going on down there? So, you know, for all those people, you know, and I feel that there's a lot of people that still don't know what's going on or maybe don't care what's going on. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, Del Rio, uh, because of our partnerships, uh, remains a safe community, uh, other than the fact that, you know, people are coming across. Uh, it still re- remains a, a very safe community, a very peaceful community. Uh, you know, and it's not only just Del Rio. I think that it's uh, across the southwest border. You know, all the communities are, are uh, at, to some extent, uh, facing difficult challenges in the, in the coming months. So we all have to stick together and, you know, hopefully we'll come out at the end of this. And chief for you, I mean, you may not be sitting there looking, you know, at the white house or, you know, the, the Washington monument, but you guys, what you see every day out there, I mean, the beauty of the border is amazing to me every time that I go and I'm sitting there on the banks of the river and how beautiful it is and everything going on. It is. And, and I'll echo Sheriff Martinez's sentiment. That, so I, I have been. I, this was this is my ninth duty location in the time I've been in the Border Patrol. I've worked in the Rio Grande Valley. I've worked in El Paso. I've worked in Laredo. I've worked all the way over in California and Tucson, even up on the northern border. The border area is an amazing place, but not just on this side of the border, on both sides of the border. There are thriving, good communities. And and at one point they were sister communities and you, and you hit the nail on the head. There were people that would, uh, that would cross back and forth and take their families to, to dinner or to movies or, or to events. And, and I'd like to see a day where that returns. And the only way that returns is for us to have a secure border. Border security benefits both sides, not just the U.S. The government of Mexico, the people in Mexico, they're impacted by this too. Anytime you have cartels and criminals that are there to exploit an illicit opportunity, well, you've seen the situation that, uh, that can happen and in places like Miguel Aleman and, and Nuevo Laredo and, and some of these areas. We don't want to see that happen to Piedras Negras. We don't want to see that happen to Ciudad Acuna. We don't want that to happen anywhere along the border. I can tell you that our GOM partners are just as interested in having a secure border as we are, and they are also some of our best partners. And with that, I will ask you, do you want to say anything to people who may be making that trek, who may listen to this podcast? Again, I'll just reiterate, it is not worth it. It's uh, coming to this country is is great. Do so legally. Don't put yourself in harm's way for uh, for an opportunity that's that's elusive at best. You don't the situation that we see each and every day. it comes from the heart when the men and women of this uh, in this uniform in this agency tell you the journey is perilous. 
people do die. People do suffer. It's not worth it to put your hand, put you or your families in, in, in the hands of criminal smugglers and be put into some of these conditions that, that we find folks. It, it just, if you want to come here, do so legally, go through the process. Plenty of people do it each and every year. Don't give these smugglers a source of income. Don't give them an opportunity to hurt you and the ones that you love. And same of you, Sheriff, anything you want to say in parting? Oh, in closing, just uh, uh, Chief Owen, you know, hit the nail on the head. It's a, it is a dangerous journey. You know, uh, if you do plan, try to do it legally where you don't put your life at risk and the life of your life of your loved ones at risk. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. So much, uh, Sheriff Joe Frank of Valverde County and Chief Jason D. Owens of the Del Rio sector. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Yami. Thank you. The changing laws and numbers of migrants coming to the border will continue until immigration reform is passed by the United States Congress and even long after that. If you would like more resources and the latest numbers across the border so you can follow everything that is going on, you can go to foxsanantonio.com or to news4sa.com. Thank you for joining me for this edition of Immigration Crisis, the fight for the southern border. I'm Jamie Virgen. We hope you join us for our next segment from the banks of the Rio Grande River in Texas.